0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to The Haunted Collection with your host, writer, paranormal investigator, and haunted collector, Kevin Kane, back to bring you some chilling ghostly tales of terror. Again, good evening to you all, and I'm sorry my voice is coming and going, so if it breaks a little bit, I do apologize for that. It's that time of year here here in Alabama where the temperature starts going up and down and up and down, and it messes with your sinuses. So it's pretty rough here trying to, to live in that kind of temperature, <laughs> but we all get by somehow. So welcome back, good evening, and As always, I want to start by inviting you to visit my website, myhaunteddolls.com. You can shop in the shop, 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 and purchase an autographed book today. I've got several books out there, most of them dealing with the supernatural. There are supernatural novels. There's a couple of books with supernatural stories. One of them is called dark awakening and other tales for a midnight hour and it's a collection of my own original short stories so be sure to check that out and also i have some books about my haunted items out there and if you want to buy these on amazon or if you want to read them on kindle they are available there and there are a couple of my books on audible one of them is performed by me Legends of Indian Narrows, Ghostly Childhood Memoirs. Those are the stories of my old neighborhood where I grew up and the ghostly tales that surround the area. So be sure to check that out or listen to me read the book on Audible. And speaking of stories, let's get on into the stories for this episode. I've got two ghostly terror tales. Now, when I was young, I used to love reading books by Daniel Cohen. He wrote books geared toward young adults, and he collected some of the scariest stories that I had heard at that time, and even today, some of these are the scariest I've heard still. And I'm going to share a couple of those tonight. And uh, rest in peace to Daniel Cohen, because he did pass away a few years ago, but his works are forever out there for us to read and enjoy. And I'm going to share a couple of stories that I first heard from his collections. These are some pretty good ghost stories. This first one, kind of a strange title, but it's a creepy story. Sure to give you a little chill. It's called Three in a Bed. There are many versions of this particular story, so it is no longer possible to tell which is the original, but this is the way that most people first heard it. It was shortly after World War II. John Pomeroy had been discharged from the army. His third day out of uniform, he married Anne Norton. John and Anne had known one another for years. They had been engaged since he had come home on leave for a few days during the dark winter of 1943. Before the war, John had been a moderately successful commercial artist in New York, in the city. Magazines and advertising agencies provided him with a steady stream of work. John, however, was never happy with this life. He had always wanted to be a painter. Now, with several years of painful war experiences behind him, he felt that he could not face the commercial art world again. He had saved some money, and what he wanted to do was to buy a place in the country and just paint for a while. This decision pleased his wife, Anne. She, too, was a painter who had tired of city life. The grim war years had also given her the desire to get out into the country where nature was still beautiful. They had often written to one another about this shared dream, and now they were going to do it. Finding the right house was less of a problem than they had expected. They only had to look for a few days. The real estate agent showed them a large country house about 90 miles to the north and west of New York City. It was airy and well lighted with plenty of room for a large studio. The house had more room than they really needed. But the setting was so pleasant, and the price so reasonable, that John and Anne decided to take it anyway. The top part of the house could always be closed up, after all. John and Anne were very happy with their house. They would have been completely happy with it were it not for one little thing. They often took a walk in the evening, And when they returned, they sometimes saw a light in the unused portion, the upper part of the house. John investigated, but found nothing. He he removed the fuses for the upper part of the house and took out all the light bulbs. But still, if they looked up at the top of the house some evenings, There was the light. It was eerie, so eerie. Finally, John decided it was some sort of optical illusion, but Anne was not so sure. No one who has a large house in the country will be left alone for long, especially when the weather turns nice. An old army buddy of John's was the first visitor the ground floor was completely taken up with living quarters and studio. In order to accommodate their guest, John and Anne put him in a room on the second floor. John had replaced the fuses and the light bulbs, and Anne had cleaned up and aired the room and put out some fresh sheets on the bed. Though it had been unused for months, perhaps years, It seemed very pleasant. John had almost forgotten about the strange lights. Anne remembered, but she said nothing. The visitor had gotten lost on the way to the house. He arrived when it was quite late and everyone was tired. John and Anne insisted that he go directly to bed and they could talk in the morning. The next morning at breakfast, the visitor looked even worse than he had the night before. He looked as though he had not slept at all that night. When he was asked what happened, he insisted that everything was just fine. Yet, it was obvious that something was very wrong. Then he told John and Anne that he would have to leave at once. They were surprised and hurt and asked him why. He simply repeated that he would have to leave. Nothing would change his mind and he would not discuss it. Within the hour, he was gone. John and Anne were completely puzzled by what had happened. They did not brood on this puzzle for long. A short time later, more visitors arrived. They were a young couple, almost the same ages as John and Anne. The four of them had been friends before the war, and they had not seen one another for years, so their reunion was a joyous one. The couple was put in the same upstairs bedroom as the previous visitor. The two went to bed late that night, and since they were both tired, they fell asleep almost immediately. After about an hour, the man woke up. He had a strange and unsettling feeling. He felt his wife asleep on one side, but he also had the impression that there was somebody... Or something else on the other side of him in the bed. This brought on a wave of such unreasoning terror that he was afraid to reach out his hand and touch whatever it was. He was even afraid to turn on the light and take a look at it. Instead, he quietly woke his wife. He told her to get out of the bed and walk to the far side of the room, and he followed her. The room was dimly lit by moonlight coming through the open window. They looked back toward the bed. The sheets and blankets were heaped up as if they were covering a human form. The couple stared at the form but could not make out any details. Then they heard footsteps coming slowly down the hallway outside the room. The footsteps reached the door and stopped. The door handle began to turn slowly and the door started to swing open. The couple did not know what they would see. They did not want to see anything, so they hid their eyes. They heard the footsteps enter the room. There was silence for a moment, and then came a hideous choking sound from near the bed. The man lowered his hands just in time to see the sheets and blankets twitch and shudder then slide from the bed onto the floor. The footsteps then retreated back across the room, down the hall, and faded away into the darkness. There was to be no more sleep that night. The two swore that they would never spend another night in that room. They told John and Anne, so the next morning, when they described what they had seen and heard, John then called the previous visitor. He admitted that he had an identical experience when he stayed in the room. He was simply afraid to talk about it at the time, and he did not want people to think he was crazy. No one had any explanation for what happened. John and Anne did not wait around for one either. They sold the house as quickly as they could and moved back to the city. My, but that was a good creepy story to start with, wasn't it? (laughs) And we have another one to go, so hold on tight. Keep those seatbelts fastened. Here comes some more creepy ghostly terror in the story called The Hooded Figure. Do evil or tragic events leave some sort of mark on the place where they happened? According to many ghost stories, they do exactly that. A stranger enters a house about which he knows nothing. He is almost overcome by the feeling of evil or violence, yet can find no reason for this feeling. Only later does he learn... That some terrible event had taken place in that house. A good example of this type of tale is the one that psychical research and writer Joseph Braddock heard from a friend, a story that started in 1941. Britain was at war, members of the armed forces were being lodged in private homes all over the country. A group of young officers had been put up in a house in the county of Kent. During the conversation one evening, one of the officers mentioned that he had recently been housed at a fine mansion in the county of Dorset. He was asked to describe the house, which he did. "'Ah,' said his host, "'I know that house. "'It is really a beautiful place.' You must have enjoyed yourself there. The young officer looked nervous. Finally, he was forced to admit that he had not enjoyed his stay in Dorset at all. Why is that? asked the host. The young officer became even more embarrassed. Grudgingly, he said that he thought the house had been haunted. To the officer's surprise, his host did not laugh, but said very earnestly, Please, tell me what happened. It wasn't anything you could put your finger on, said the young man, but everyone was oppressed by the feeling of evil. It was so thick, you could almost touch it. Everything had been fine when the army men first came into the house. The owner had moved out, but before he did, he had put most of his art treasures in storage. There was only one picture still in the dining room. It was a picture of an older woman wearing the clothes of an earlier time. Regarding the picture, the owner left some very strange instructions. The picture had to stay exactly where it was. It was not to be moved for any reason. The officers hung a dartboard in the dining room to keep them occupied. During one game, a badly thrown dart nicked the picture frame. The colonel who was in charge was very angry, He said somebody was going to throw a dart into a valuable picture. So he went against the owner's instructions. He had the painting taken down and stored in the attic. And that is when the trouble started. The men began to feel an evil presence nearby. It was almost as if they were being followed. They never saw anything... But at night, they sometimes thought they could see the door handles of their bedrooms moving on their own. The doors never opened, and no one ever came in. And these were all brave men, but they were very frightened by this. When they were given orders to move from the house, every officer was heartily glad to get out. No one ever wanted to see the place again, though no one could explain exactly why. Well, that's about all there is to it, said the young officer. It really isn't much of a story. His host had been looking very serious. He seemed to be considering what course of action to take. Finally, he said, I think that I can throw a little light on what happened. By an odd coincidence, during World War I in 1917, I was sent to Dorset. I was recovering from a wound, and I stayed with an elderly lady in the neighborhood of the house of which you spoke. She told me that the mansion had once been the scene of an awful tragedy. This story also involved army officers. About 1807, there was a regiment of soldiers quartered in the area. The owner of the mansion asked the general of the regiment to dine at his house. The general was asked to bring one of his young officers with him. There was to be a party with dancing afterwards, and there were several single young ladies who needed partners. The general, of course, accepted the invitation at once. He took with him a young officer whose family he knew well. The young man had always been one of the brightest and most well-mannered officers in the regiment. During dinner, the young officer was seated at the table between two of the single young ladies. They were very attractive, and they both tried to make conversation with him, but he completely, even rudely, ignored them. Now, this was quite unlike the young man. Worse still, he was staring directly at his hostess with a look of horror on his face. The general had no idea what the cause of this strange behavior might be. He tried to attract the young man's attention, but it was no use. The general was getting angrier and angrier. Then, quite suddenly, the officer jumped from his chair, almost knocking it over. He shouted, I can't take it any longer, and he rushed from the room the general now assumed that the, fo- the fellow had suddenly gone mad. He followed the young man, not knowing what he would do next. Following was not an easy task, for the officer had mounted his horse and was galloping away as if the devil were pursuing him. But the general had a faster horse. He finally overtook the young man and grabbed the bridle of his horse, bringing it to a halt. What the devil are you doing? shouted the general. The devil! The devil! That's it! cried the officer. I saw a hooded figure standing behind our hostess. The figure was telling her over and over again to commit suicide. The general was now sure that his junior officer had suddenly gone stark mad. He tried to calm him down. Nonsense, my boy, nonsense. It's just your imagination. They did not talk for long, for a horseman was approaching at breakneck speed. It was one of the footmen from the house. Where are you going? "'shouted the general. "'The footman drew up for a moment. "'To get a doctor,' he panted. "'But I don't know if it's already too late.' "'What happened?' asked the general, "'fearing he knew the answer to that question. "'Just after you left,' said the footman, "'Madame grabbed a knife and cut her throat.' In front of everyone <laughs> <laughs> That was a gruesome tale in the end there, huh? And it's left just like that. Leaves you to wonder, was it the devil? Definitely was not a good entity. And though these stories don't, uh, tell the exact location of these places in New York or over there in the UK, some of you out there may have heard these stories and may know for yourself the exact locations. But if you do, Be careful not to go and pay a visit, because you may not like what you find. (laughs) Well, I had fun with this episode, and I am thankful that you tuned in to listen, and I shall return in a few weeks for some more ghostly terrors. Until then, behave yourselves, be respectful to the dead, keep those doors and windows locked, but by all means... Have a happy haunting.